Thanks for joining us at Faith Bible Chapel. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and brings you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service, find a small group, or simply find out more about the church, stop by our website at www.faith.church. Today, we're continuing this message again out of the book of Hebrews, where the writer of Hebrews, just to recap a little bit, was writing to Jewish believers that were saved. They'd given their life to Jesus. They were following him. They'd been redeemed. They, their lives had been forgiven. They, for the first time, they experienced what it means not to just to have their, their sins covered by a sacrifice, but now they can experience that their sins are removed and they're completely free because of the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. And these are these Jewish believers. But because of pressure and persecution and because Christianity was illegal, there was this temptation to return back to the temple, to begin to worship God the way that they used to before Jesus Christ. And the writer of the book of Hebrews is telling them, don't go back, don't return, stay true because what you have now is the real deal, it's the real thing. And it's another reminder for us that as we study, if you want to understand Really, the Old Testament, you cannot read the, or, the Old Testament, the prophets, Psalms, Proverbs, the Torah, or which, which the Jewish, um, our Jewish friends call the Torah, without, un, you cannot understand it without realizing that Jesus Christ is the key that unlocks the real truth in all of it. Everything in the Old Testament is pointing to a coming Savior. Everything, the law, everything is pointing. The temple, the sacrifice, every ritual, every washing of hands, every, all the food, dietary laws, all of that is pointing to a Savior that is to come. And so once the Savior arrived, you no longer have to live in this area of rituals and ceremonies because it was pointing to Jesus. I said last week it was like, the, the Old Testament is like speaking of the smell of bread. Smell of bread. And they just talk about it and they t- how they make it and all of this. But then no one really tasted it until Jesus came around. He is what John calls the bread of life. And we can taste and see that he is good now and forevermore. Amen? So we're continuing today with this book of the book of Hebrews And I titled this, You Belong Here, because we're looking at what it means to be part of the family of God. Because here we have, out of Hebrews chapter 2, we have the writer talking about how how Jesus, through his sacrifice, he brought many sons and daughters to glory. Isn't that a great line? He brought sons and daughters into the glory of God, into the family of God. And so we're here looking at this. But before I get into this, I just want to take a moment, because many people have a misunderstanding. They think that the teachings about Jesus, his, his crucifixion, his resurrection, those are the elementary teachings of God. And actually, that is a wrong way of seeing that. It's a totally huge mistake to believe that. And the reason why people think that is because of a passage out of Hebrews. And since we're in Hebrews, I just want to read it. It is this misconception that, that of, of this whole idea is that you, you need to move on from his death and his resurrection. You need to move on from that. You need to, move, you need to become mature. You need to study mysteries and, and these other things, which the whole of the Bible is given to us for us to grow. It's for teaching, for reproof, for rebuke, all of those things, yes. But the foundation of the whole of the Bible is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God so loved the world that he sent his son. And if we believe that and understand that, we can unlock the truths of scripture. But this misconception that, you know what, that's, that's just the beginning and there's so much more. Yes and no. Out of Hebrews chapter 6, this is what the scripture says. It says, therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ 
and be taken forward to maturity. Remember the context. He was writing this to Jewish believers who were wanting to return to the shadows, to the types of the sacrifice, the washing of the hands, the dietary laws, to return to that. They were wanting to go back to that because that was a type and shadow. That was an original foundation of laying the foundation for Christ to come. But let us take him forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Very, very important for us to understand before we get into this, because just so you're aware, today's message is all about Jesus. Amen? So I want you to understand that just because we're talking about, oh, we really need to look at stuff that's really mature. Remember this letter. This, that, this passage has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. This has everything to do with these Jewish Christians who were being tempted to turn back to the, ceremony, the ceremonies and the rituals of the temple and of the law. Because it was their way of pleasing God. It was their way that used to be their way of being faithful to God is by obeying those. But according to Scripture, that is no longer needed to please and obey God. Because if you are in Christ, you have completely satisfied the fulfillment of the, of the law. You are free from the law. And you can live a free um, follower of Jesus totally walking in the victory and the power that he has for you. And that's what we need to know. So leaving the elementary teachings of Christ does not mean leaving the teachings about Jesus Christ behind. Because these Christians in the book of Hebrews, they're, they're being encouraged to move beyond foundations. Again, the past, the temple, the, the ceremonials, the washings were all the foundations of what was to come, which was in Jesus Christ. And those ceremonies, those foundational things were speaking of a better one that was to come, which is in Jesus Christ. And we have that today, and we all say amen for that. So in order to move on to maturity, these Jewish believers needed to leave behind their confidence in rituals of the old covenant that no longer were necessary. So in other words, they shouldn't occupy themselves with such this pre-Jesus foundational preparations for Christ that they neglect the glory and the beauty and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And once they understood that, then they can move forward in maturity and in, in holiness. Remember, everything of the rituals of the old covenant was pointed to Jesus now in Christ. We can fully embrace it, taste it, be it, live in it, and move on to maturity. Amen? So today, I want to talk to you about Jesus again, about the work that he had done. Remember the writer of of this book was reminding them of how great Jesus is because if you really believe that Jesus is all you need, you will live your life in such a way that Jesus is all you need. If you really believe that Jesus is worthy of all worship and all praise and all sacrifice, if you believe it, you will live your life like he is worthy of all worship and all sacrifice. If you believe that Jesus is the one who sits in majesty at the right hand of the Father and is crowned with all glory and all honor, your actions of your life will live like you believe. That's actually true. What you believe, you will become. And so he was wanting to convince them over and over and over through through this book that Jesus is better. Can we say that together today? Jesus is better. So we're going to continue looking at Hebrews chapter 2 and this incredible line and this incredible passage about Jesus bringing many people into 
glory, which is really about the family of God. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, speaking about Jesus, it was fitting that God, for whom, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered, meaning Jesus made us perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Very, very interesting line there. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, which I love this last line, that Jesus is not ashamed to call you his brother and to call you his sister. He is the elder superior brother, but he's not ashamed that you're a part of his family. Aren't you thankful that he is not ashamed? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. You, you, yeah, anybody, any of you have any family members that you're like, oh Lord, I'm a bit ashamed of them? I just heard a loud yes in the back and I'm not going to even look back. I'm just kidding. But Jesus is not ashamed. And if you think about really who you are, because you know you. You know the brokenness in your own life. You know the things you struggle with secretly that no one else knows. You, need, you know the thoughts that run through your mind and you, and, you, and, and you entertain them and then sometimes, oh yeah, you wish you didn't think about them. In the midst of your brokenness in your own flesh, here you have Jesus who says, I'm proud of you. You are in my family. You belong to me. And I'm so glad that you sit at the dinner table with me. So I just want to look at some truths about what Jesus has done on the cross according to his family. And I titled this, You Belong Here. It's kind of one of our taglines here at the church, You Belong Here. We believe that everybody that comes to our church, we want, there are four things we want for you in your life. We want you to know God more. We want you to find freedom. We want you to discover purpose and make a difference. And I believe that God has people that belong here and he has called them to be a part of this church. So number one, a truth about what Jesus has done for the family of God is number one, through Jesus, you were brought into God's family. And this is a very basic point, but it's something that you need to understand. Through Jesus, you were brought into God's family. You can't make it any other way except through Jesus. Hebrews 2.10, that's why it says this. As we just read, bringing many sons and daughters to glory through what he suffered. This blows my mind that the God of the universe, that once we were enemies with him, we, we once were, were, were on separate sides, we could not mix, we were oil and water, that he, God sent his son Jesus, Jesus obeyed the Father, laid down his life for us, and because we put our trust in him, we now become one with him. Our nature is changed completely when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. It may not always feel that way, but the reality is God's reality is greater than, than the things that you see with your own eyes about yourself. He calls you a part of his family. And so that God through Christ, not, it's not that we just belong to a group of saved people, that you now become a part of God's family. Families have always mattered to God. They've always been important to God. Before he created a nation called Israel or a church, he created a family and he did that out of Adam and Eve. God is passionate about families. And just so you know, he's passionate about your family. He's passionate about your kids. He's passionate about you. He's passionate about your grandkids. He's passionate about all of that. He's passionate about families because he loves families. And many people make a mistake believing that 
Every person on the planet is a part of God's family. We can, we can think that or say that, but actually it's not true. It's important that we understand that. Jesus actually said there were two fathers in the world and there were two families in the world. He said to the Pharisees out of, out of John chapter 8, he said this, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. Wow, there are two families. And we live in an age where everyone gets a trophy for showing up. <laughs> everyone gets a ribbon, even if you don't cross the finish line. I never really understood that one. And some believers can think that everyone is in God's family just because they were born. But that's not true. Everyone has the potential to be in God's family, but not everyone is in God's family. That's why we need to take very seriously that when you become a part of God's family, when you become a part, when you become Jesus' this is blows on my Jesus' brother or Jesus' daughter, according, according to that, or Jesus' sister, that we take on the mission of God. That mission of God is to work with God in bringing other people to God's family. That's what it means. To be a part of the family means you're part of the family business. You're part of the family direction. Whether you like it or not, you're called to bring other people into God's family. And to say, for all of us to say, listen, all God's people are part of his family. Sounds attractive. It's a tolerant way to speak, especially today. But it's just not in the Bible. And before you, you hear the good news, sometimes you need to hear the bad news. The bad news is this, that there are people in the world that without Jesus Christ, their father is the devil and their destiny is hell. That's the bad news. But the good news is that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved and spared from hell and, and move from the devil's family over to God's family. That's good news. But we are a part we are a part of being the messengers that speak and preach to those who are not a part of God's family and bring them into God's family. That's what it means to be a part of the family of God. We're all created by God, but we are all are not a part of God's family. It's very, very important. It's kind of like the, uh, the little girl asked, um, asked her mother. She goes, Mom, where, where, where did we come from? And her mother said, listen, sweetheart. God created Adam and Eve in the garden, and they became parents of the human race. And then she went, she asked her father the same question. So his little girl goes to dad. And dad says this, well, actually, sweetheart, we come from monkeys who evolved into human beings. So the little girl was confused, so she went back to her mom and said, mom, you said God created us. And daddy says we came from monkeys. How can you both be right? And her mother said, well, sweetheart, it's easy. I told you about my side of the family, and your dad told you about his. Simple. Don't easy. <laughs> there are two families in the world. <laughs> One is a part of the devil's family. One is a part of God's family. Well then how do you how how do you make how do you make the move? How does that happen? Number two is this, you become God's child when you believe and accept God's son. You become God's child when you believe and accept God's son. 
This is what the writer of Hebrews is being very clear. That now that Jesus is here, if you reject Jesus, you reject the Father. Just like for them, for the Jewish people, if they would have rejected the law when the law had come, they no longer would have been a part of the covering of that law. It was, it's been a part of the progression of God's story from the beginning of time to bring redemption through his son, Jesus Christ. That's why um, in John 1 it says this, But to all who believed him, speaking of Jesus, and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting in human um, passion or plan, but with a birth that comes from God. And you get reborn in God's family when you, when you believe and accept God's son. So how do you join God's family? Actually, when you think about this, there's three areas that you can actually become a part of any family, and it reigns true for God's family, which is really remarkable when you begin to look at this. One, you can, you can um, join a biological family. You can be born into it. You can be adopted into it, or you can marry into the family. Those are three legit ways that you become a part of a family. The Bible teaches us that when we enter God's family, we do it the same three ways. And in John, he wrote that you receive Christ, you're given the power to become a, ch a child of God. In John 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, you need to be born again to step into God's kingdom. And we enter God's family through a new birth. So when you give your life to Jesus or anyone, you are born again. That's why he's talking to this Jewish believers. No, no, no. Don't return to what you were because you're not that anymore. You have been born again. You've been reborn. The issue for us is that we, when we're born on the earth, we're born into the wrong family. We're born under, uh, under, under the weight of sin, under the stain of sin. Sin isn't something you do. Sin is something that you are at the beginning of your life. I know that's hard for us to think about that, but you need to know. All of us were born with a stain of sin. It is just who you are. But because of Jesus Christ and you accepting, you are reborn and born into a brand new family, no longer identifying yourself with that which you were, but you're identifying yourself in that which Jesus is. That's good news. You're brand new. The second way you can join a family is through adoption. So when it speaks about Jesus bringing many daughters and sons to glory, this is how they've done it. It's about adoption. And when you're adopted, a, a family chooses you, that you're chosen. And the Bible says that God has chosen us to be a part of his family. And because he's chosen us, because we've given our life to him. That's why Romans 8.15 says this. It says, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership, whichever one. And by him... We now cry, Abba, Father, Father, because of Jesus, we now have this intimate relationship with the God of the universe. He's not far off. He's not, oh God, I wish you were near me. No, no, God is near you. He is with you. You are now, he is closer to you than a brother. And Abba is the same word that you can even hear on the streets of Israel today in Hebrew. When a, when a child calls out to its father, they say, Abba, it's this term of endearment. And that's what God invites us into. And also another way you can become a part of a family is you can be married into the family. The church is called the bride of Christ. And Jesus loves us like a husband loves his wife. 
Paul makes it clear in 2 Corinthians 11, says this, I promise you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. This is, we are, we are sealed, the deal is sealed on three fronts, your new birth, your adoption, and you've been married into the family of God. You are secure in Jesus' name, amen? And all of those three things are because Jesus initiated it. That's what he's telling these people in the book of Hebrews, and that's what he's telling us today as well. You are born again. You are adopted. You are sealed in marriage. And this is the family of God. That's us here today. You belong here. Jesus took you and brought you into his marvelous light, making you a child of God because he is better than anything that was keeping you from God's family. So now that you are in his family, you can, you can relax, you can take a deep breath, you can rest, and you can get to know the other family members around you because you're in and he's your father and it's time to enjoy what it means to be a part of God's family. Number three, in God's family, you will find love and acceptance from God's people. This is very important. This is a, another thing that Jesus purchased for us. Through the years, I've heard a lot of people say, you know what, I, I love God, I love Jesus, but I, I just, I don't love church. I just don't want to be a part of the church. That sounds really good, but it's just impossible. It's just impossible. You can love the church and not love God, but you can't love God and not love the church. It's like saying that, you know, I love to swim, but I don't really like water. <laughs> We're a family. And I think probably one of the reasons why people reject church is they don't understand the true nature of church. Maybe they think church is more like it's a nonprofit or it's just an organization. You just, oh, it's just, a, it's just what you do. You know, it's, well, yeah, people go there so they can get a tax write-off or whatever it may be. Things like AARP with some benefits along the way. and It's an organization. or No, it's not. It's a living organism that Jesus is the center and the ruler and the leader of. It's a structure that was laid out in, in, the, in the Bible in Ephesians 4 and all through the New Testament on how we are to be a family and function as the family. And when God calls you and sets you in a church, you are, you are called to be a part of that community to serve and to love one another. It isn't, it's not like going to a movie where you go and you get your, your popcorn and your, and your Coke and you sit down and you watch the movie and you go home. No, no, this is a part of being a part of each other's lives. It's part of serving one another. It's a part of being known and knowing someone. Everyone needs a family. Whether you're young, whether you're old, whether you're single, whether you're married, you need a family. Loneliness is the reason why so many people are desperate. And it grieves my heart to think that any person that would call Faith Bible Chapel their home would, would come to a place where they're just lonely. And nobody cares. Nobody knows their name. That's why small groups is such a major part of who we are. Because there's going to come a time when you need to be known by someone else. Because you're going to go through a season of loneliness whether you think you will or not. But that's what the family is for. That's, that's what a family means. And so many people, they reject certain things as family because we have a, I don't agree with this area or that. Listen, do you have any family members that you would agree on with theological things? We all do. 
And for you to say, I'm sorry, you're no longer in my family because you believe in the rapture at this time and not at this time. That would be horrific. You would not be a very good family member. Or, you know, I just, I, 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 don't believe in, I don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, so therefore you can't be a part of my church family. That's horrific. We are called to be a family. He, listen, the great thing about being a family is you can say, hey, listen, I, I don't agree with you, and I want you to know you're wrong, but let's get a cup of coffee. Let's hang out. We can differ on some things. But we're moving forward as a family. There's a value in family. And everybody needs the family. The church isn't perfect. A lot of people reject church. Well, I'm sorry, there's too many broken people there. Well, I promise you the church is not perfect. One, because I'm here. I'm, here. I'm not perfect. But this is what I know. Though we may not be perfect, my friends, we do follow a perfect Savior. We do follow a Savior who gave his life so that we could part, be a part of a family. There's no such thing as a perfect biological family. There's no such thing as a perfect church. It's kind of like church is, church is a family. And someone, someone said this, that, uh, that a family is like a brownie. It's mostly sweet, but there are always a few nuts. That's just the way it is. <laughs> And there's some nutty people here. I'm just being honest with you. But we love you anyway. Come on. Can we give the nuts a hand? Come on. We love you. Just kidding. Listen, you might have grown up in a small family, a large family. You might have come from a blended family, a broken family. But this whole understanding of the name of the word family is very important. That you and I are spiritual siblings. You're my sister. You're my brother. We have the same father. And we're a family. And the church is where God places people who struggle with loneliness to share love and acceptance. I love this passage out of Psalm 68 that speaks about what a family is to be. It says this, his name is the Lord, a father to the fatherless, a defender of of widows, God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. If you're a part of God's family, I would encourage you today, be thankful for the love and the acceptance you can receive here, but also you can give. I have a challenge for all of us today as we're looking at this. I want you to open your eyes for a moment and look around. I'm, I'm challenging you to begin to look at the family that God has called you to be a part of called Faith Bible Chapel. Look at your family. Look at your neighborhood. Who do you know that needs to be a part of God's family? If, if us being a part of God's family is about us taking on the mission of God, which is to bring others into God's family? Are you doing that? Are you reaping the benefits but not contributing to the family? Sometimes teenagers kind of act that way. They reap the benefits, but they don't really contribute to the family. There's a line we use. I say, hey, listen, you live here, you give here. Now go take out the trash. That's how it is. 
Are you contributing to the mission and the vision of the family? People are hungry for love and acceptance. I guarantee there are folks here today that you're lonely. You're sitting in a room with hundreds of people and you're lonely. That isn't what God meant for church to be. Now, some of us are better than others at showing love, at showing acceptance. Some of us are better at noticing the needs of other people. But we're all called to do it. We all, if we're a part of God's family, none of us are here because we deserved it. We're here because the grace of God used someone else to bring us here. And I just want to ask you as a challenge, let's not be selfish with that blessing as a church. When's the last time you invited someone to join God's family? When's the last time you took upon yourself the vision of your family? When's the last time you invited someone to come to church? When's the last time you invited someone over for dinner after church? When's the last time you said, hey, I'm going to Chipotle, you wanna come with me? A meal, some time, get to know someone's name? It's called family. We are all children of God, given to God by Jesus Christ. But we are called to testify of that freedom that we have in Jesus. We're called to testify of that life and the joy that we have in salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. And here's a challenge. If it was fitting for God to send his son to die on the cross, to bear ridicule and rejection, to be spat upon, how fitting is it for us that we would be witnesses to our generation on behalf of what he suffered? How appropriate is it for us to bear the scorn of the world the way that Jesus did? How appropriate is it that we would sing his praise of gratefulness in worship when we come together as a church, but also continue to declare his name, not just before the family of God, but before the world and invite them to be a part of his family. How fitting and appropriate is it that we could somehow, God could somehow use our life to bring other sons and daughters to glory. It blows my mind that God invited us into that world. But my heart is to make sure that for me, I live out the mission of my family. I live out the mission of my father. I live out the mission of my savior. Think about when you came to Christ. I just want you to think about it just for a moment today. Think about how you came. I would guarantee that most of your stories, 99.9% of your stories involved someone who cared enough for you to invite you to church. Cared enough for you to share Christ with them. And you were, you were freaked out and you were scared and you came to church for the first time and you thought, what are all these weird people? Now you're one of them. But someone loved you enough and love Jesus enough to invite someone to come over and be a part of their family. 
That person wasn't ashamed of their Savior. They weren't ashamed of their church family. They wanted you to be a part of it because it meant something to them. And now it means something to you. Once we were a child of God. But then after someone invited us, or once, sorry, once we were not a child of God, but then once someone invited us, then we became a part of his family. Our question is this. Are we ashamed of him that we don't share his love with others? And I just ask for your evaluation in your own heart. Are you ashamed of him? Are you ashamed of your church family? Is that why we don't invite people? Maybe we've forgotten the mission and the vision of our family is to bring others into his family. What's the Father's heart? Many sons to glory. What's Jesus' passion that the whole world would be saved? Who's the voice and instrument of carrying that out? We are. That's why when Paul was talking to Timothy, and Timothy, he, I think he struggled with fear, struggled with rejection. He always, Paul told Timothy, hey, hey, Timothy, don't let people look down on you because of your age. He was a young, young pastor. He said, hey, Timothy, God doesn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power and love mind and a sound mind. I think Timothy had a nervous stomach, and Paul said, hey, Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach. And Paul was encouraging Tim, Timothy. He said, listen, don't be ashamed. Look at this verse out of 1A. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Friends, we must not be ashamed. We must not be ashamed. I don't care who you're around. You must not be ashamed. You are a child of the living God who sacrificed all that he had so that you could live. What is there to be ashamed of? We are part of the family being handed the baton to carry on the proclamation that Jesus saved me. He can save you too. Why don't you come to church with me? We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, check our website at www.faith.church.